It's Wednesday, November 13th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, David Meyer, and from Fool.com, Matt Kopenheffer. Happy hump day, guys. Hump day. Yes, Thanks, Chris. Uh, we're uh, we're going to talk earnings. We've got some earnings from Potbelly, and they are actually earnings, which is which is certainly good. certainly good news for the people at Potbelly. Uh, we're going to talk Tesla Motors. Let's start with Starbucks, though. Starbucks in the news for legal reasons. Um, Starbucks will be paying $2.8 billion to settle a dispute that started back in 2010 when Starbucks had offered $750 million to Kraft Foods to break its contract. Uh, they had a deal to essentially get bags of Starbucks coffee into grocery stores, retail shops, etc. And an arbitrator has ruled, no, you're, you're going to pay roughly four times that amount um, because even if you're Starbucks, um, you can't just up and break a contract if you want. <laughs> you look at what the stock is doing, though, David. The stock is basically flat today. Eh? The market's like, wh- whatever. So? Does that surprise you when you consider that $2.8 billion is more than the profit Starbucks makes in a given year? Yes. It, 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 that The magnitude of the fine relative to the stock price decline is uh, is incredible. The, mar- the market is literally shrugging it off as if it, it doesn't matter. One of the things I guess you could be seeing in the market is if, if it's taking the long-term view that their consumer packaged goods business is as strong as it seems to be, then it's like, okay, we just need to get, we need to get out of this. Let's put it behind us. You know, we're going to look forward. We're not going to look back. That, that's, that's my guess of what the market is doing. But Matt, as we've talked about before, with regards to JP Morgan <laughs> and the $13 billion fine that's constantly rumored out there, and you look at uh, Starbucks is not a Wall Street investment bank that is printing money. What's I mean, three billion dollars? I, I, lo- <laughs> I love Starbucks, billion. but I, I, as a shareholder, I am both pleased but somewhat surprised that the market is not dinging Starbucks just a little bit on this one. I, I, I love Starbucks' response to it. It's like three billion dollars. See, see, this is how much this business is. It, this is how great it is for us. That they need to find us three billion dollars for, for for pulling this. The, the thing that I was thinking about was going all the way back to signing this deal in the first place. I mean, was this just a big mistake in the first place? And on the one hand, you could say, well, something like distri- distribution into grocery stores, not Starbucks core competency. So maybe a good idea to partner with somebody who does that. But on the other hand, you know, it, it kind of makes me think about uh, growth trajectories and trying to go from zero to a billion overnight. And in a business like Starbucks, where it's so much about the experience, so much about uh, just like the excellence of the brand and the product, that maybe it was a bad idea to go out and, and get somebody else to do this for you when you want to be managing that experience. I wonder if um, if the nature of the contract was actually the bad thing. I wonder if it was just too long. Um, and the reason that I say that is because it seems as though uh, when you when you start to read between the lines of what's out there in the press, uh, Schultz realized he was onto something. Meaning they could do it. They mm-hmm. had product, mm-hmm. uh, single serve product that they could uh, get out into the stores. They could leverage their brand to get more product into more stores, and they really didn't need craft. Um, I think the I think the winner of the of the of the uh, this whole thing has got to be Kraft's lawyers, though. To to oh, yeah. to come away with this settlement, uh, you know, when you basically you were going to get cut loose and you probably weren't doing as well as you 
uh, good a job as of growing this segment for Starbucks or with Starbucks. Yeah, the the craft. Yeah, they're 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 partying hard yeah, in the legal team f- there. I, I think the numbers I saw were of the two point eight billion, roughly five hundred million, five hundred fifty million or so was interest and lawyers' fees. I'm guessing more on the lawyers' fees. Yeah. yeah. So a little bit of a win for Mondelez, I should say. But the, this the 2010 deal. This was back when it was all craft foods. Right. Um, now the spinoff. Now the money's going to Mondelez. Oh yeah, I think Starbucks is still the better business, but this is a win all around for Mondelez. And now, I mean, they're going to be bringing, uh, they're going to be doing McCafe for McDonald's, uh, bringing that to some stores now too. So, I mean, win all over the place for Mondelez here, but Starbucks still, still the better business. Well, and to David's point, it's it's just so nice that the lawyers were able to make out because that's <laughs> but, but, poor, the the poor lawyers. The poor, I mean, who's, think, who's thinking, who's thinking the, about the lawyers? Who's thinking about the lawyers? <laughs> I'm thinking of going back to law school. <laughs> Potbelly's first quarter results as a public company are in. The sandwich shop earned $2.2 million for the quarter, which was good enough to pop the stock to the tune of more than 14% this morning. Uh, Again, (laughs) exactly. as I've I've said before, they are still just a sandwich shop, right? What? I, I'm I'm mystified by this. This this to me is more mystifying than anything we've seen in the tech space. For say what you want <laughs> about the the tech IPOs we've had this year, as far as I'm concerned, nothing compares to the restaurant retail IPOs that we've seen between Potbelly and Noodles and Company. Uh, that's that's the thing that I look at and go, wow, what is going on in the public markets? I, I tend to be a skeptic on this kind of stuff, but at, at least with with something like Potbellies, you can you can look to other other concepts, other restaurant concepts that have expanded, have grown, have gotten a national footprint, and are much much larger companies now. And and so I, I think that's got to be what investors are, are assuming that this it's just a foregone conclusion that that Potbellies is going to be huge, it's going to be nationwide, and this is going to be worth five six times what it is now. Yeah, uh, Matt brought up something earlier. I, I don't mean to steal his thunder, but I will. Um, <laughs> he was saying that you know I, we have a, we have a potbellies near us uh, here at the at Full HQ. We you know, there are plenty around our area. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, unlike some of us in the studio, I I do enjoy them. I frequent them, and and Matt is right. I think they are well run. They they can move that line pretty fast um, when they need to. Uh, you know, you're, and you still get a custom made order. You know, this is starting to maybe sound a little bit kind of like a Chipotle type thing. Um, but if you look, one of the things that's very surprising to me is if you look um, at where the company is relative to some of the competition, um, you know, margins are razor thin. Mm-hmm. So, we're, you know, we're going to have to get a lot more productive um, as sales grow, in my opinion, in order for this business to um, to really shine. I'm not a fan of their sandwiches. You guys are. You tell me. Is this? You mentioned Chipotle. Chipotle has the has pricing power. Chipotle doesn't necessarily want to raise prices, but they when they have input costs rising, they can, when necessary, they have demonstrated they can raise prices and people will pay it. Is Potbelly's the same as Chipotle? Do they have that power? Well, we'll we'll see. So um, coming out of the IPO. Um, I think the comps were like like three about three percent, and most of that was um, attributed to a price increase. 
uh, menu price increase, and and they actually had some declining traffic. Um, comp this quarter was was two and a half. There weren't any details in the earnings release about the the makeup of the comp, but I would imagine um, I'm I think there's probably some spillover of the pricing. Um, but I'd be more worried if that that traffic declined again. Um, how many times can you go back to that well? You know, Chipotle has uh, has been able to go there a few times. Um, but then again, you know, those lines are out the door <laughs> come lunchtime and dinner time. Sure. L- looking looking at the results, I mean, it's it's interesting how it's kind of divorced. If you look at the results without looking at the stock, without without getting right. into all that, it, it they're good results. This looks yes. like a, a well run, nicely growing sandwich business. Um, but but then when you when you start to look at the look at the stock and look at the valuation, then it's it's not like this is crazy and there's no possible way that investors will make money on this. But it's just that they are leaving themselves very little room for any slip-ups of the company or for it not getting to the ultimate huge size. Right. Well, we've talked about stocks that are priced for perfection. This seems really early in its history as a public <laughs> company for Potbelly to be at that point or close to that point. So we'll We'll, we'll call it a healthy IPO market. Well, that's it, what we'll call it. That's that is it <laughs> if nothing believe me when we towards the end of the year when we start to uh, do shows, whether it's here or on Motley Fool Money, where we take a little bit of a look back at 2013. Absolutely. One of the dominant <laughs> stories of 2013 is going to be the IPO market. Um, interesting week for Tesla. Um, Elon Musk um, was in New York City yesterday at the DealBook conference, uh, had plenty to say on a variety of topics, but he was asked about – and Matt, we talked about this on the radio show last week – he was asked about the – three fires now in the last six weeks, uh, he says that there's not going to be a recall, or if there is any kind of a recall, he's going to make that decision, uh, not the government. He said that they are in constant contact with the Transportation uh, Safety Board officials. What do you think, when you just sort of step back and look at Tesla, where it is right now, one of my thoughts, and I'll expand on this in a second, is I think that Elon Musk is proving himself to be incredibly deft <laughs> at handling uh, the public spotlight. Well, he's nothing if not bold as a as a leader, and apparently in, in terms of, of of a PR of a PR person handling this kind of uh, we'll call it a, a, just a situation here, <laughs> handling this situation. Uh, I personally, it makes me cringe just a little bit to hear him get out there and saying there definitely will not be a recall. Yeah. Um, just these are cars catching on fire. Cars, cars catch on fire. We've discussed that on the show before. Right. It happens. And this happens to gas cars as well as battery powered sure. cars. But, um, you know, I, I think maybe a little bit of caution is in order. And, and, and if that's not great for the stock short term, uh, maybe that's maybe that's a consequence. But the story with Tesla isn't short term stock price movement. It's it's the long term opportunity here. Um, and, and, and I'm also not crazy about Musk coming out and saying that he thinks the stock is a, is a great deal here. Um, I just I personally don't think I I'm, I'm a fan of when a CEO will say, the stock seems a little bit overheated or, or investors are getting a little bit crazy. Yeah, we saw that with Reed Hastings right. at Netflix. On, on the flip side, I'm not as big on a, on a CEO saying, yeah, I think this stock is a, it's a good buy right here. Yeah, it is a fine line because on the one hand, you want your leader to be a champion of the business mm-hmm. and arguably of the stock. 
But it's one thing to say, I, I think this is a good stock. It's another thing. This this seemed to I, – I don't want to use the word tout because I didn't think that he was touting his own stock. Sure, sure. But it did seem a little bit more bold than probably he should have been. I don't know. What did you think? Um, the in, in looking at the quote um, that he gave about uh, um, the Health and Transportation Safety Administration um, and, and the media, I think it's very clear that Musk is all in in protecting his legacy. He doesn't want anything to get in the way. And he is taking and, – and he better be a little – my opinion, he better be a little bit careful here. Because if he's basically saying, you know, the media is blowing this out of proportion, guess what? The next time it happens, it's only going to escalate. <laughs> <laughs> so pick your battles carefully, I guess, would be the, you know, the one thing that, I, that I'm getting out of this. But I will – but bringing it back to the company, um, I, I do think that he is doing some incredible uh, work, leading some incredible work. There's a whole bunch of people who are doing incredible work at, at Tesla from the idea of just the you know getting the car um, the concept of 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 the electric car starting at the top at a high end um, innovating from the top m- pushing all that innovation down into different models uh, you know there was some talk of uh, going after and making a truck at some point yep just came out recently you know um, there's so many different directions that this can go and that's in my opinion, if he don't talk about the stock, whether it's up or down, because he did say he thought it was overvalued at one point as well, and focus on what you do best, and that is find a vision for the technology and make it happen. That's what he does best. I also like the little shot he took at George Clooney. Uh, <laughs> if, if you hadn't seen it, George Clooney apparently said in an interview recently, he was talking about the Tesla Roadster, which is... is Tesla doesn't make the Roadster anymore, but that was their, I guess, their first vehicle. Right. And he said he was one of the first people who had a Roadster, and it was constantly breaking down. And he was like, well, guys, what's going on here? And on Twitter, Elon Musk wrote, uh, in other news, George Clooney reports that his iPhone 1 had a bug back in 2007. <laughs> Again, I just think that is, it's not easy to pull off that type of jab <laughs> with a touch of humor and certainly not a lot of CEOs can do that so I, I think he's he, he's, he's wonder smart. who's pulling beh- wonder who's pulling the pulling those strings behind the scenes you don't that- think you don't think he's writing that no. I don't know oh I'm it, I I'm, I'm w- saying when he came here to full HQ do you think that was his I didn't get that from his personality he was having a tough time loosening up with us I think he's. A, I, I, there's no question that he is a very serious guy, yeah. but I, but there's a difference in my mind anyway between um, loosening up and and being sort of a life of the party person and and having a sense of humor. I I'll think, give you that. I, I, I definitely I'll give you a that. A quick wit, if you will. A, a quick wit. Yeah, I, he strikes me as a quick witted guy, and also he's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> which, which and, and, and I and I think that response is funny. But guys like guys like Elon Musk, I think, are so smart that they can't help but tread the line between really smart and just a little bit crazy. And when you get into saying the media is overblowing this, tweeting back at George Clooney, that sort of thing, like David was saying, you risk losing sight of what's 
really important. And and I hope he doesn't do that because because I think he's he's building something new. But here. please keep us entertained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Market Foolery is our handle. Um, I had some back and forth yesterday on Twitter because I took issue with one thing that Elon Musk said, and I I just think. Well, I'll just he he was asked uh, at some point about uh, somehow the topic of flying cars came up, and, and I'm quoting from Elon Musk: "Flying cars may not be what people want." Now, I took the opportunity to say, "All due respect, the guy's a genius. He's a hundred percent wrong on that." Uh, <laughs> one of our listeners, Hodges Bradbury, wrote uh, wrote back to me saying, "Hey, I want a self-driving car. You don't." You want a flying car. I don't. You know, different strokes for different folks, that sort of thing. To which point, uh, Joe Mager, our colleague now in Australia, said, can't we all agree that what we really want are hoverboards? That that should be job one. <laughs> the skateboard hoverboards from Back to the Future. From Back to, to the, the future. future. That's yep. clearly what everybody can Of those on. three, what do you think is likely? I mean, the self-driving car seems like we're really close. But the hoverboard. Oh, likely. Yeah, we self. Oh, well, this, if I'm being realistic, the self-driving car. I mean, it's it's there. Let's say all three were available. Okay, let's say you could have the self-driving car, you could have the flying car, you could have the hoverboard. Obviously, different price points. Which one are you going for? I got to go self-driving car because even though robots scare me, and then <laughs> I, I'm, I'm essentially abandoning. You're, my, my, you're enabling the rise of the machine. I, I am. I that. am. So, so I had to carefully weigh this against the fact that I hate to drive and I don't <laughs> trust anybody else on the road. So I, I've got to go self-driving car, even if that speeds. So uh, from, my, from my upbringing of being a skateboarder and a, uh, a little bit of a surfer, I would love the, the, the hoverboard. I would, uh, that would bring me back. Tweet us at Market Foolery. Take your pick. Flying car, hoverboard or self-driving car, let us know. Please weigh in. David Meyer, Matt Copenheffer. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Thank Chris. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.